morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today as we talk about the word of God, talk, uh, look at it, talk about it, pray over it. And on Saturdays, we like to, if we can, address a current cultural issue, something in the news, talk about how we ought to be thinking about it as Christians. There's so many things in the news these days that have moral implications that relate to us as the church and the people of God thinking wisely, being people like the sons of Issachar who understood the times and understood what we, the people of God, should be doing and thinking in these days. So I'd like to talk a bit today about this issue of school violence. It is heartbreaking, some of these stories. Obviously, one of the first here that that really captured the nation's attendance attention nearly or, or I believe it was over 20 years ago was Columbine and after that we've had Sandy Hook uh, Ele- uh, excuse me others I'm just but now this recent one in Uvalde and how sad how sick how disgusting how evil how evil how demonic and there's no other word for it. We we talk about mental illness. There may have been something wrong with this fellow's brain. But I'm going to move beyond mental illness and say it was demonic. And it seems as if there is a demonic influence in our nation these days that leads people to do things that are simply inhumane. This wanton suffering, this this trying to hurt people that are total strangers, have nothing, don't even know them and uh, take their life. It is sickening. It is uncivilized. It's inhumane. Let's call it what it is. It is evil. What's going on? What's going on in our country? There's a call to do something. President Biden had a speech the other night. His, His answer is gun control. His answer is get the guns out of the hands of these bad people. And of course, there's a lot of pushback to that because there's a moral case for gun ownership. I don't know if you know that, but there's a strong moral case for gun ownership. Of course, the belief is if you outlaw guns, then only outlaws will have guns. And if people are disarmed, if good people are disarmed, then that means only the bad people have the guns left. You know, our nation's not, if we, if it would be one thing if you really got rid of all guns from everybody. But you look at how, how well has our nation been at, say, getting rid of drugs? We have a war on drugs to get rid of all drugs. We haven't kept that out of people's hands, have we? And indeed, we know that, that if good people surrender their means of self defense, then they become the prey of bad people. And that's reality, folks. That's reality. Sometimes the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And that's the reality. That's not just rhetoric. And it happens in America all the time where bad people are stopped by good people. And when only bad people have the power, then weak people and good people are in trouble. Indeed, women, many a woman's been uh, abused, assaulted. And the one thing that women smaller, weaker, more petite, the one great equalizer is to be trained in the proper use of of a weapon for self-defense. And, of course, there's the other question of even freedom. 
our Second Amendment was was put there as a Second Amendment to defend our rights is established in the First Amendments. The right to freedom of press, of religion, freedom of assembly, these basic freedoms can be protected from a tyrannical government only as the people have power to protect from them. There's a basic belief by our founding fathers that power does corrupt, and absolute power does corrupt absolutely. And the more power that that a government has, and the less when you get an unequal that the people have no power and the government has all power, you you have corruption. But when there's this uh, there's this balance between the people having their freedom being protected, that there that this protects from a tyrannical government. And if we learn something from history, let's face it, every tyrannical government where the people were armed, the tyrannical governments we see in our world today, one of the first things they did was disarm the people in the name of correcting an emergency or protecting the people or making it safer for the people. And they disarmed the people. And then the only ones who left with the arms were the government. And in time, they became tyrannical. They always did it with good intentions, it was said. They always did it with telling us, this is to help you. Well, this leads to a really important thing here in America. And and William Penn said way back in the founding of our country, men who won't be governed by God must be governed by tyrants. I believe it was James Madison said that our Constitution, our Declaration, our Constitution, both these founding documents would only be possible if America were a religious people. Freedom is only possible where people are governed by God. This is what we must realize. Freedom is only possible, true freedom, where people are governed by God. If they're not governed by God, freedom is abused. It's abused to hurt other people. It's abused to take advantage of other people. And when that happens, a country breaks down, anarchy anarchy ensues. And when there's anarchy, the people in the simply in the name of security and peace, they call for greater government power. This is what William Penn had in mind. This is what he's talking about. If we won't be governed by God, the people will eventually cry out for the government to crack down. Crack down on criminals, crack down on 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 violence and things of this nature. And they would be willing to sacrifice their freedom to do so. And indeed, this is where our country is. We've been having this debate, whether we put it in these terms or not. We've been having this debate for a while, and it's only going to get more intense. Is freedom worth, is freedom worth enduring the abuse of freedom? Is the freedom to be able to protect yourself and the freedom from a tyrannical government worth enduring things like this horrible school shooting. This is the type of thing we're talking about. And if, if, if the government disarms the bad guys and the proposals they're putting out there, let's face it, they'd be disarming all of us. Because the proposals that, that Joe Biden outlined the other night would take guns out of the hands of an awful lot of law-abiding, good, decent people, not just criminals. 
take basically away from just about everyone. So, what do we do here? Are there other solutions? If we're as freedom, if we're going to maintain freedom, really, what's the answer? How can how can it be possible? Because if we won't be governed by God, we're going to need a more more and more and more powerful government that assures people don't self-destruct. And of course, when that happens, it's just a step away from that government becoming tyrannical. I've got some suggestions. I came up with just five as I thought about this morning. Let's try some of these things before we disarm the populace of America. How about calling for a day of fasting and prayer? How about saying, God, we have sinned against you. God, we realize that our freedom is a gift from you. That, that we once believed that our rights come from our Creator. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. That's no longer taught. Many don't believe it. Many don't even understand it. It's a foreign concept because God has been removed from our schools. How about we call for a day of fasting, prayer, humiliation, repentance for how we have excluded God from our public life and we're reaping the bitter consequences, as it says in Romans 1, that when we excluded God from knowledge, verse 32 and fall, or 28 and following, when we exclude God from knowledge, God will give the people over to a depraved mind to do those things which are improper. Maybe a day of prayer, fasting, humiliation, repentance is in order. How about two, a return of God to the schools? You know, in 1962, we basically kicked God out of the schools. And now efforts to even pray in a school, efforts for to pray individually, efforts for a... I've seen teachers here in Columbus, we had a teacher who simply had a Bible on his desk and was fired for that. We've seen coaches who want to pray before or after a game voluntarily lose their jobs. I know of a, I personally know of a, a family that uh, their daughter was valedictorian of their school and she was didn't really want to speak, but she said, I play my violin. She's a beautiful violinist. And she just wanted to play an instrumental Ava Maria, her favorite song. It was religious. They wouldn't let her do it. She is banned from an instrumental song on her violin for her valedictorian performance. Folks, God has been expelled from our schools. These may seem like extreme examples, but they're not. This type of stuff is happening all over, and it's a chilling effect. How about we return to God to our schools? How about we think like our founding fathers, that, a moral, that freedom requires we be a moral people? And as George Washington taught, you can't have morality without religion. The atheists are always arguing this. They're claiming they're just as good as us. But, but listen, you can't have true morality without a religious foundation founded in, in a respect for God. How about three? Get fathers involved with their children again. We are, this month we are celebrating LGBTQIA plus month. What this is, is the destruction of the family. This is the, the pinnacle of the sexual revolution. Do anything you want. It's all about pleasure versus it, it's, it, it, 
pleasure and debauchery, I might add, versus it's about commitment that sex is to be within a family, a husband and a wife committed in marriage. How about we restore the family because the sexual revolution and what we're celebrating this entire month has led to the destruction of the family. The, what we call the nuclear family or the traditional family is often mocked, ridiculed, pointed out it doesn't work, and we need to try these new ideas. What does Scripture say? Can I read to you from Malachi 4, verse 6? 5 and 6, I'll send to you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. The very last verse of the Old Testament. If fathers' hearts are not turned back to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, this alienation of fathers from the family, fathers rejected from the family, families being raised without a father in the home, fathers loving their children, caring for their children, and children respecting their fathers, he tells us, He'll smite the land with a curse. This is what we're seeing, folks. Once again, the Bible is true. The Bible's true. Believe it. And as we act upon it, blessing comes. And as we reject it, curses come. How about encourage kids to go to church again? Fewer and fewer kids are growing up in church. They're not going to Sunday school. They're not getting religious education. They're not going to vacation Bible schools or backyard Bible clubs that are held in the summer. How about a renewal of these? How about seeing kids learn again to fear the Lord? Again, raising our children to respect and honor and know God in our schools, in our churches. This is the responsibility of parents. Listen, Hillary Clinton wrote a book a while ago called It Takes a Village. We reacted to it because her village was the government. Well, we don't think the government should be the ones raising our children. But our vill- but it does take a village. It takes a community. Do you know the kids in your neighborhood? Are you re- do you even call them by name? Do you even acknowledge them as they walk by you? Do you reach out to them at all? Many of these kids, they need Christ. This is a critical period. On campus, when I, I, at, when I encounter atheists, it's, when did you become an atheist? It's almost always about age 13, 14, 15. Are there kids in your neighborhood that are at that, age, that critical age? Reach out to them. Get to know them. Love them. Say, at least say hi to them. Let them know. Share a scripture with them. Share, ask them if they have a Bible. Tell them, tell them a little bit of your testimony. Say, when I was your age, it was so important that I learned about God. Do do you have a Bible? Can you read it? Show them how to read it. We need a revival amongst our youth. These disaffected kids, particularly the young boys, the the girls, their problems tend to be their their eating disorders. They're they're the ones transitioning on this transgender stuff. With guys, so often it's their, their disaffection works its way out in violence and anger. Just reach out to these kids. It takes a village, not a government, but it does take a community to help because there are some kids who are not being raised well. You can pray for them. I know in my life, I'm convinced part of who I am, a lot of who I am as a Christian and coming to Christ as a young man was a woman in my neighborhood who prayed for me. She wasn't part of my family. 
I barely even knew her until after I was saved, but she was praying for me. It takes all of us. Let's get involved with our kids. Finally, let's have a discussion with Hollywood and video game producers about cleaning up their violence. Some of these kids spend hours a day in these video games that are really gut-wrenchingly violent, sickeningly violent. And they're rewarded the more violent they are. They're rewarded the more bloody they are. They, they, the, you get more points the more violent you are. We believe in freedom here. And so therefore, you know, government censorship we're, we're not in favor of. Uh, some of the calls are, well, the government can censor the guns, shall we say. The government can take the guns. I think there ought to need to be talking about what's filling the minds of people. What's filling the hearts of people? When our kids are angry and violence is encouraged and, and, and this is the world they're growing up in and dysfunctional families and they have no anchor, no root in God, they're not getting it in the school, they're not getting it in the church, they're not getting it in the home. What are they getting? They're getting angry and unloved and neglect and they spend hours filling their minds with this violence. Folks, we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. I know that you, you people who come here on this Daily Word and Prayer, I know you're doing your best with your children, your grandchildren, your church, wherever you can, to be a force for good, to overcome evil with good, to speak up for what's right, to try and do what you can. I just want to encourage you, be more bold. Speak more. We've got our voices have got to get louder. Our compassion, our love, our scripture has got to get louder. We've got to be more bold because the forces of evil are overcoming and celebrating and becoming more bold on their own. Let's us speak up in our neighborhoods. Invite kids to church. Ask them if they've read a Bible. Talk to them. If you see, so you probably see some kids, you, you know, you can tell they're disaffected. You can tell they're silent, withdrawn, quiet. Reach out. Everybody needs to be loved. You might be surprised who might respond to it. You might be surprised what difference you might make. Father in heaven, we come to you heartbroken at things that are happening in our culture, our society, as more and more people just neglect you and reap the bitter fruit of secularism the bitter fruit of departing from the faith. You say only by the fear of the Lord will men depart from evil. And where we lose the fear of the Lord, we're given over to all kinds of reprobate mind, all kinds of bad behavior, given over, Lord. And, oh, Father, we come to you, we repent, we cry out, we pray. We pray for our own families, Lord that there would be a love of God in our own children, our own families, our own grandchildren. We pray, O oh God, in our churches there would be a, a deeper commitment, a greater seriousness to be followers of Jesus Christ and to really teach our children, not just to keep them busy or, or keep them out of trouble, but to, to really raise up champions for Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, for our schools, our Christian schools, our home schools, and we pray for a revival even in our public schools. Not just people getting saved. We ask for that. But, Lord, a revival of what is being taught, a revival amongst teachers, 
being Christians and teach boldly teaching young people to love God, respect God, to walk rightly. We pray for a revival amongst our governmental leaders, that their answers wouldn't just be about disarming us or making us weaker. We pray they'd not be tyrants. We pray they'd call us to repentance and faith and prayer. Oh, Lord, some, some would think that would be suicidal for a political leader to do that. I believe, Lord, some would mock and ridicule, but I believe that's what the people want. and are, I know I'm hungry for it. Give us leaders like this, Lord. We pray for this. Father, we pray for a restoring of the families, that you turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children to their fathers. We pray, Lord, that the, these movements in our country that are destroying the family, these sexual revolution movements, and want to redefine the family, redefine what a marriage is, redefine what a man is, a woman is, redefine what a father or mother is, that are just breaking all, not only social norms, but biblical norms. We pray, Father, for a revival of fatherhood, a renewal, a recommitment. Lord, these answers are not quick solutions. I pray that the people, we would be willing to accept hard, difficult, time solutions that take time and commitment and not cheap solutions that won't work. We pray for our country. We pray for us, Lord. Raise us up. Raise up Christian leaders to be have a mighty influence and that the people would hear the voice and would follow. Lord, take down those voices that are leading away from you, that lead and call, and call for rebellion against you. We ask for this and we pray for it in Jesus' holy name. Father, we pray today also. We just think of those who've suffered down in Uvalde and these other places where there's been violence and, and some that never made the news, but they've suffered from violence. Oh, Father, comfort their hearts. Might you fill the loneliness within them? Might they find peace through God? And not might they not be given to anger, bitterness, and revenge? But might they find the peace of God through faith in Jesus Christ? pray these things and bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Hey, so glad to have you along with me today. God bless you. God strengthen you. You know, we're here every single day. We come to study the Word of God, see what God's Word says about our lives. Like I said, on Saturdays, we like to talk about something in our culture. Most of the week, we're talking about our personal life, our personal growth. Sundays, we like to talk about a Christian song because we, we're worshipers. We're not once a day Christians, once a week Christians. Excuse me, we are once a day Christians. We're not once a week, once a month, once a year, or just when I feel like a Christians. We want to be Christians every day. So I invite you to come join me on this daily word and prayer every single day. I'm here live at 8.30 each morning, but you can watch the, the video later in the day or hear the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. So until we meet tomorrow, might God bless you, strengthen you, fill you with peace, with love, with faith, with courage. You've got something the world didn't give you. Don't let the world take it away from you. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.